Thank you so much, Rabbi Bauer and Cantor Luff, for having me here this evening. Congregation Emmanuel is a very special place to Shalom Bayit. We had some of our first meetings here. Some of the first rabbis spoke out in the Bay Area about domestic violence here. And a lot of transformation has happened because of Congregation Emmanuel. So I just, first of all, want to bless you all for your beautiful, beautiful community. And thank you so much for having me here and for caring so much about this issue. And I want to say a big Shana Tovah to you all. <laughs> I hope that you all had a really meaningful, deeply reflective Yom Kippur. And tonight, the Shabbat between Yom Kippur and Sukkot is the moment in our holy day journey where deep reflection meets joyful celebration. So as we get ready to take in the meaning of Sukkot, we think about the fact that Sukkot commemorates our time of our 40-year wandering in the desert when the Jewish people didn't have a safe or permanent place to call home. We had left slavery, we were seeking freedom, and along that journey towards the Promised Land, our ancestors needed a place to lay down in the desert and be safe. And so they built Sukkot, or booths, and that is the reason that we, we build those today, to remember that time of not having a safe or permanent place to call home. That journey from slavery to freedom is very much like what survivors of domestic violence experience today, even in our modern world, when they flee their own homes and everything that is familiar, seeking safety. And they generally stay somewhere temporary if they physically leave, a place that's not fully like home until they reach a permanent place they can call home. So by doing the mitzvah of whatever you might do in the sukkah next week, eating, being with friends and community, or maybe even sleeping in the sukkah for a night if you have that opportunity, try it out. We get just the tiniest taste of what it might be like to not have total protection from the elements, to not have everything that we need. Personally, I love Sukkot because it's a holiday dedicated to joy. It's dedicated to joy and gratitude even in our most fragile moments. It's dedicated to hospitality and friends and ancestors, creating community, even in our vulnerability. And we know a lot about that this year. <clears throat> it's a holiday that celebrates the meaning of home. And that's very poignant today. Many people, of course, don't have one or are at risk for losing the one they have. We have only to look around us at the homelessness everywhere, the refugee crisis, the housing crisis and housing instability, people fleeing the Bay Area because they can't afford housing here. So just like our ancestors, this is a time when we think about what it means to pack up all our earthly belongings and carry them with us on our backs. The pandemic has also deeply affected the way that we relate to home and shelter Home has taken on so many meanings since last year. <clears throat> Refuge from a virus, yes, but also a place of isolation for some, a place where work and personal life blur, a place of endless time with our partners and family for better or worse. For far too many, 
home, that place that should be sacred, is the most vulnerable or least safe place in their lives. The pandemic has been particularly dangerous for people experiencing domestic violence. It's actually been so bad that everyone, like world leaders from the Pope to the head of the UN, have been talking about the spike. And we at Shalom Bayit have seen a 25% increase in calls for help just within the Jewish community, and that's pretty consistent with what's happening worldwide. Staying at home to stay safe is an ironic entrapment for those whose home is not safe in the first place. Among women, 50% of homelessness across the entire United States is caused by domestic violence. So it's a leading cause of homelessness among women because people need to flee their own homes to get safe. You all know that the pandemic has laid bare many inequities in our society from racism to unequal access to healthcare to economic injustices. And so domestic violence is also one of those stark realities. It's always been here, but it has been so amplified during the pandemic. And not just physical violence, but also the more hidden forms of abuse. So we hear a lot from people who say that they knew their relationship wasn't so great, but being 24-7 with their partner made them realize just how bad it really is. It might be emotional abuse or financial control or just some of those hidden types of abuse that people don't necessarily think to label or they blame themselves and think, well, I'm just having trouble. But actually, they are in a controlling relationship. It's a reality, actually, for one in four women in the United States, and that statistic is no different in the Jewish community. So one in four women, as well as gay men and trans folks, will be in an abusive relationship in their lifetime. And when I think about that, one in four, I just find that staggering. <clears throat> when I talk about domestic violence, I'm referring to not just the physical violence, as I said, but that really a pattern of power and control where one person is clearly in control of the other person. And this happens in adult relationships. Teens know it can happen in teen relationships. Um, and kids talk about it happening in friendships. What we want to do is recognize it and stop it before it gets worse. Once people are in it, of course, it's harder to escape. About 110 women reach out to Shalom Bayit every year for help um, because they're in an abusive relationship, and that's the Bay Area Jewish community. Um, I can tell you that this year we've already helped 135 people, and it's only September. So we're definitely seeing the numbers continue to rise even in the second year of the pandemic. And you might ask, who does this affect? It really affects everybody. It affects people of all different segments of the Jewish community, moms, people without kids, well-known donors or leaders in the community. Domestic violence doesn't discriminate. So when someone calls us, we help that person by listening, providing resources, offering counseling, support groups, helping them navigate systems for help, and empower themselves towards safety. We really walk with each person on their healing journey for however long that takes in whatever way they need. And sometimes that's helping them get to a temporary shelter, like a sukkah, a place that isn't their forever home, but will do for now. It's temporary protection. 
Um, I should say that we offer those services in Russian as well, and we are the only Russian domestic violence program on the West Coast, so we're pretty proud of that. But as I said, we also want to prevent it from happening in the first place, so that's why Shalom Bites prevention programs are so important, training and education for youth and adults to strengthen our community's understanding and response. It's so incredible when, <laughs> with things like our, our signature Love Shouldn't Hurt Teen program, which, yes, does happen here at Emmanuel. Uh, each year we teach over 1,400 young people starting at age 11 about consent and warning signs of abuse and Jewish tools for creating healthy relationships. And it's amazing to hear kids of all genders and all ages talking about how relevant this is to their lives and how now they feel their Jewish education is so right there, able to help them in their friendships and their, their social environment. I'm really proud to say that over 17,000 Bay Area Jewish youth have been through that program. We also, speaking of Emmanuel history, we started a program here in 2017 called um, Creating Consent Culture from the Ground Up that has now gone all over the Bay Area, but the very first one was here. Thank you, Rabbi Bauer. <laughs> um, and we have other really exciting things that engage the community, like our Menshep Minions for Men, where men can gather to create a new norm of healthy Jewish masculinity. And we commit, which is our education program, to prevent workplace harassment. So uh, one way that the community and you all can partner with us to help stop domestic violence in our midst is to bring one of those programs to your circle of friends. We will customize anything for just about anything, any group of people, and yes, we can do it all on Zoom. Speaking of Zoom, it's totally amazing for me to be here in person. This is a very um, lovely Shehekianu moment. It's actually my first time in the sanctuary since the pandemic, so thank you. <laughs> Um, another way that you can help is to just be a good friend to someone who's going through a hard time in their relationship and listen and see if there might be abuse happening under the surface. So tonight's Torah portion, Hazinu, actually means listen or give ear. And listening is a powerful message in our teachings. We hear it in the Shema that we just recited together, Hear, O Israel. We just listened to the sounds of the shofar. Listening is so important. And it's a powerful way that you can help someone just by listening to their story and believing them. When we truly listen, we can be a sanctuary or a sukkot shalom for that one person who really needs us. Another lesson from our Torah portion speaks directly to how our community to help how our community can help stop abuse, and, and that's the actual content of what's going on in Parshat Hazinu. So in this Torah portion, in his final words to the Jewish people, Moses directs them towards right behavior and talks about wrong behavior and warns of dire consequences for that wrong behavior. In an ironic twist, Moses then, of course, doesn't get to enter the promised land. He's punished by God for having lashed out in anger and he will die on the mountain. This is God's way of demonstrating serious consequence. Moses led the people to the promised land, but because of his actions, he doesn't get to taste it or experience it or fully know that they made it. Consequence and accountability are crucial when we think about those who cause harm to others. 
Without consequences, domestic violence will continue unchecked. But when we call out the misdeeds that we witness, which, which Torah actually teaches us we should and must do, when we hold each other to high standards of ethical behavior, when we realize that how someone behaves at home should embody Jewish values, just like how they behave in public, that's when we can stop abuse from happening and then become a communal sukkot shalom. So Judaism teaches us specifically not to stand idly by, lo ta'amor al dam and to speak out if someone is being harmed. So you can speak out if you notice something that isn't right. I think a lot about this when we talk to kids about tattling. I don't see tattling as negative if it's helping someone out of harm, actually. Judaism teaches us not, not to tattle idly, right? Not to gossip. Um, but that we actually should if we know that someone is being hurt. There's another lesson that comes from this, which is really about speaking truth. There shouldn't be shame in talking about problems at home, but often we feel that way, and that lesson has sort of been passed down through the generations. And so when, when we, as a friend, encourage someone to speak their truth, we're actually helping to break that cycle of shame that keeps people trapped in that situation. So Sukkot is full of lessons about home and the ability to create home wherever we are. Home is the gathering place where we build a sense of togetherness, regardless of what's happening in the external environment, and really where that concept of shalom bayit comes from. So shalom bayit means peace in the home, and it comes from this Jewish sense of wandering and vulnerability, that there might be danger out there, but wherever we make our home, whether it's a temporary sukkah or our little cozy nest somewhere, that is where we are safe. That's where we create shalom, even if it doesn't exist in the world around us. This idea that we can create a safe zone wherever we are is such a Jewish concept, and it is a way that we can survive difficult times by creating what it is that we need. Sukkot is a reflection on that very vulnerability. As we stand in a roofless booth with canvas walls, we're vulnerable to the elements. We can feel the rain, the cold, the wind. I wish we could feel the rain. Let's feel some rain this year. <laughs> we are vulnerable to strangers passing by and to the world outside the security of home. So it's curious that this holiday of vulnerability is referred to as Zaman Simchatenu, or the season of our joy. What is joyous about not having a roof over our heads? Amazingly, what Judaism extracts from our history of wandering and homelessness is actually a positive message of hope and gratitude, that even when things around us are unstable, unpredictable, impermanent, imperfect, or we don't have all that we need, we can still be grateful for what we do have, a little bit of shelter from the elements. We've all been practicing that powerful Sukkot teaching the last 18 months. Being grateful, for example, for our health or just for being alive or for having a safe home where we can shelter in place. In the past year and a half, I've found personally that this practice of gratitude is the thing that has saved me in this otherwise 
really tough time. When my clients were stuck at home sheltering with abusive partners with no escape, or others were completely isolated at home with no other human contact, I felt grateful to have a safe home and someone to be with to ride it out. Gratitude helps us survive hardship. It reminds us to get some perspective and to find the glass half full. Research studies at Stanford have even found that gratitude, having a daily gratitude practice, improves health outcomes. So this time prescribed for reflecting on hardship is also a time to find our gratitude, be grateful, and find that inner joy. There's a Hasidic saying that uh, the sukkah is the only mitzvah into which a person enters with their muddy boots. We enter the sukkah with our whole being, with all of our goodness and all of our schmutz, our come-as-you-are reality. We are exposed and imperfect, and that is okay. Perhaps in order to experience zaman simchatenu, our time of joy, we have to get some dirt on our boots because life is muddy and complicated. So from experiencing what's hard, we learn to appreciate and make the most of what we have and be present. So if you are not safe at home or if you know someone who's struggling in a relationship, I want to invite you to seek support. You're always welcome to find me, and I'm actually going to stick around after services if anyone wants to talk to me individually. But I also encourage you to reach out to your amazing clergy here who, as Rabbi Bauer pointed out, know right how to get a hold of me. <laughs> um, and um, I have some Sukkot blessing cards and other information on the tables outside in the lobby. Um, but one thing that you can do is think about the Sukkot as you enter a Sukkah. Think about people who don't have a safe or permanent place to call home. Um, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And so we're, we're just a few days away from that. And um, Purple Ribbon is the color for Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So we like to tie purple ribbons on our sukkah, or if you're just having a virtual Sukkot, you can imagine purple ribbons, or you can join our virtual Sukkot celebration next Thursday. Um, and just use this opportunity to think about who are the vulnerable people around you, and how can we as a community be a resource to those vulnerable people. Um, <clears throat> I think, as I said, one of the most important ways that we can also support people is just to be a good listener. So I want to come back to that very powerful message of our Torah portion and ask us, when we notice things around us, to just listen. Listen for the, the things between the lines that might not be so obvious so that we can be good friends to people that might be in trouble or might not be feeling comfortable to tell the whole truth about what's happening in their home or in their relationship. And I want to bless us all with remembering to be grateful even in hard times. May we all experience peace and safety in the place that matters most, because everyone has the right to be safe at home. Thank you. Shabbat Shalom.